Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I am your host, Eric Anthony, and I'm very, very happy to have on the show for the first time. Well, actually, the second time. I stand corrected because on our episode for the CKX uh, panel that we were on together, we were able to podcast, I guess, if you will. I put that one up. But now I have you officially on the show. It's Mr. Dax Gordine. Welcome back, guys. Hey. How are you? <laughs> Thank you for having me. That was a, a, a great intro. Very organic. I liked it. Um, yeah, I'm good, man. How are you doing? It's good to be back. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing better because uh, we're finally getting a little bit of sunshine in our city or in our, mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. province. I, where are you located exactly? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm well in. So, like, just uh, to the, I guess, west of uh, Niagara Falls. Okay, so you're a little more. So it's about 20 minutes from Niagara Falls, kind of west southwest or whatever like that. But yeah, um, yeah, we today is beautiful. I went for a walk before the show, and it's like 14, 15 degrees. I get what you're saying. Everyone's out mowing their lawns. I don't know if I closed all my windows because like you could hear people out there. Yeah, you know. So even over here around my area, same thing. But it's it's nice to because last week was was getting dreary. You weren't sure what season you were in. And oh yeah! Today it's starting to feel it's starting to feel like spring, at least. So it's always nice when the sun's out. Absolutely, it has been very gray on this end as well. Yeah, and the the not being able to go out and get ready for you know summer stuff, whether it's patios and all you know the different things you look forward to. Right now we're still under this lockdown that I think people yeah. are just itching. People are you can feel it. Yeah, I I, I would not. I mean I've. I would never want to be in politics, period. But I mean, uh-huh. right now must be insane. Just like that kind of, they must know. Like, I mean, without getting super political, I mean, are the, all these waves and stuff happening is because the government, I feel, has been trying to, you know, weigh the pros and cons of like, well, people are going to start freaking out soon if we don't let them go back and, you know, go start doing like malls and that again. And then they do it. And then all of a sudden the... the Cases go way up, and they have to b- bounce back and say, "No, we got it. We got to lock it down again." So I, f- I can't imagine being in, in government at all. It'd yeah, be insane. And I and and um, I mean, our city is is unique because it's developing so much in Toronto. They in the GTA, they say that there's more cranes here than anywhere in the world. So they're keeping, you know, they have to keep the economy going in some capacity. So there's people that are still working because of all of the the developing going on like construction but mm-hmm. then uh it, even when things lock down there's so much still going on so it's so hard to tell i think what works and what really doesn't work i don't know yeah. if there is any real solid trustworthy data if it because because like you said everything is always politicized to make a side look bad for their choice mm-hmm. so i just look forward to this being over and being oh, able to, to give people hugs again I know, but have you gotten your shot yet? Your first one? I'm booked. I am booked. I haven't gotten it yet, though, because just in my nice. area, um, that was the first date available. But yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be a nice summer next year. As weird as that is to say, I'm really yeah. looking forward to kind of forgetting about this and not even talking about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't agree more. I hope that let's put it this way. I hope that we are able to do that, and it yeah. doesn't go in the opposite direction where this the world is forever changed. I'm trying to hold on to the it's going to end, and we're going to be back to normal 
soon. That's what I'm, that's what I'm sticking with. I'm hoping for it. So, yeah, I think everybody's on that page now. We're all kind of at that point, like, okay, whatever, we'll do whatever we got to do. Can we just Mm -hmm. go back to the movies again? It's weird. What, what What are some of the things that, um, you've missed that you didn't realize that you would miss? Well, I'm actually quite the extrovert. Um, so yeah, so it's, this has hit me pretty hard. I have some, for a lot of friends that are introverts and I know that they are going, wow, this has been great. You know, I mean, no commitments to have to go out anywhere. Uh, you know, like I stay by myself, I do my thing and I can see how that totally works for some people. But for me, it's, it's hit me pretty hard because things like, just like you saying movies made me kind of my insides go, Oh yeah, I missed the movies. And, um, I used to go to the movies all the time. I used to, uh, and we had a, we have a bar down here, like a little local watering hole that me and my buddy would go on a Friday night and have some chicken wings and, you know, beer on the patio and, and whatever. And it's just, there's not a lot to do in Welland, but we're like a nice uh, close knit kind of family with my friends here and stuff. So there's always like barbecues and parties and, you know, especially in the summer, you know how it is. It's get gatherings and stuff like that. And those are the kind of things I really miss. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough for sure. But I mean, everyone's doing, everyone's going through it. So I I feel it's, we just got to hang in. Yeah. I'm, um, it's funny you, you, you were quick to say I'm a total extrovert and so many people who are into the hobby and the creative aspect of comic books or whatever, the, you know, fandom, so much of it is like introverted sort of, uh, mm-hmm. you, you do it on your own, you read it on your own. But um, I'm the, I would consider myself the most like extroverted introvert because I'm totally fine with the simple life and not having to commit. Like you said, I like that. It's like, oh, sorry, can't, can't do it. Um, but when I'm at my job, or in social places, I talk to everybody. But mm-hmm. but it's it's funny because I, I'm in that middle ground of I miss it and then at the same time I'm I, I'm okay with it. I know like you said, a lot of artists have been like, I've trained for this my whole life, so I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably sounds great. You're in a good boat. I mean, I'm somewhere probably in the middle too, right? It's not like, you know, I'm out there going, yeah. you know, like but uh it's uh, it's probably a good place to be being able to kind of you know, go one way or the other. For me, it's kind of like I, I treat it like I explain it to people. Like I recharge my batteries through social interaction and like, you know, what gets me out of a funk is like going and having a good time and sitting at the bar with my friends and having a drink and like seeing people around and stuff like that. So that's where I guess I'm the, my extrovert part comes in. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I mean, I mean, there's obviously introvert stuff too with being able to sit inside for a week and, and work on your stuff and not, you know, miss anything but it's for me i just i find that i can be alone but i need to recharge my batteries like once a week and that's what i'm missing the fact that i would go out once like on the weekend kind of recharge my batteries come back and do it all again but as we've all experienced with covid and the stuff like if you're not able to recharge the batteries that's when you start going a little squirrely you're kind of like okay well it's been two months now been a year it's you know and that's why i think where people and myself included are kind of going oh this needs to be over yeah, the the too much of anything, you the the opposite will need you'll have to recharge with, right? But yeah, we need that sort of exchange of uh, energy. It's doing it over Skype and you know podcasting this way is is fun. But I remember being able to go and visit you know Shane or go to a yeah. restaurant with Sam, and I'd set up the computer and it looked kind of goofy, but I was with them. Yeah, no, I get it, hundred percent. I I do a podcast actually. I don't know if you've heard of Film Junk. But it's a podcast uh, that's been going, been doing movies for many, many years. I think they're like the 
longest running movie review podcasts or whatever on the internet. Cool, cool, cool. But yeah, I've got some buddies that I met. You know, sorry, shameless plug there. No, I didn't even absolutely. mean to do that. But uh, uh, they're, I, I would go and do podcasts with them, guests, maybe once a month, once every two months. And we would all round table, just like you're saying, right? Go to somebody's house, you sit around the thing. We all sit in our chairs, have a pop and kind of talk. And yeah, now it's gone to this. So, I mean... I mean, we're lucky in a sense yes, that we've had lucky. this because, you know what I mean? Because with all the Zoom and all that kind of stuff, at least you can kind of have some kind of contact. Yeah. It's so weird. It's so weird how the world's like where we're going technology wise. You know what I mean? Like if, if that, if there was no Zoom, this would have been insane. Like I'm talking about a, a quarantine would have been insane. Imagine there was no video communication with anybody. It would, it wouldn't, right? it, I don't think people would have gotten through it. I don't think it would yeah. have worked in today's world because we're so... The economy would have been even worse than it is, you know what I mean? Like, because everyone's working from home using Zoom, right? Like, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's I don't crazy. know. I don't know if... It's hard to say, you know, because sometimes I think with the convenience of our technology, we work around things quicker, whereas maybe the if everyone had to go to work and we didn't have this technology, but accept go and work on location everybody they might have been more strict in the very beginning to be like everybody just shut it down don't go to work just chill out and then it would probably have been maybe not but it would have been interesting to see how people would have handled because i don't think yeah you're right we wouldn't have been able to do it without it for sure Mm -hmm. so yeah it'll be interesting afterwards to see what we're all going to be like having adjusted yeah. to, well, I just want to work at home or I don't ever want to work at home again. Forget that. Cause some people were yeah. always happy to be working remotely. And For then sure. now it's like, I want to go back to the office. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, I, I am, I'm a firm believer too. And I think there's going to be a major hangover. I mean, I'm, I'm not the only one I'm sure who thinks this, but I think people have, you can't live, but like do what we're doing with maybe 10% interaction with other people for over a year and not have it adversely affect you once the doors open again. I think people are going to be very leery. People are going to be very like, what's, you know, when you kind of come out of like, come out of the cave and kind of like, what's going on? Like, should I, can I hug that person? Can we really do, or like, I I don't want to touch, shake your hand. Like, I think it's going to be, it's going to take time before people kind of get back to the place of 2018, you know what I mean? 2019. Yeah, Uh, it's true. Yeah, the world's the world's changed in these la- in this last year and a bit. You don't realize mm-hmm. it because you're living through it. But when you come out of it, it's like, yeah, no. Some people might find hugging rude. You can't just do that anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be <laughs> different world for sure. But I do. I, I'm the thing I'm excited about is that I feel like it's gonna be a roaring twenties all over again. Once people get comfortable, it's going to explode. Like the economy's like. I mean, you can't help but think it's not going to, right? Like it's everyone's going to be back at work. Everyone's going to be spending money. Everyone's going to be partying, having a good time. Like it's going to be Woodstock all over again. Like that's my hunch. You know what I mean? To some degree, if people are going to be having a good time, you know what I mean? And uh, I think, I think it's going to, that that's, what's keeping me looking hopeful future being excited. Yeah. Cause I think it's once the dust settles and we get a handle on this thing, I think it's going to get, it's going to get joyous for a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. We're look. we need joy. That I'll welcome it with open arms for sure. Um, but speaking of being happy about things and looking forward to stuff, you've got a, a Kickstarter campaign that's about to launch for your creator-owned comic strip, uh, Forest Folk. Got so it. Tell us when it launches. Tell us what the book is about. Tell us what the whole project is. 
Absolutely. So I'm super pumped. I mean, this is, I love how that whole intro was like all political and like talking to the world and, that, and then we go right into, I love, it was great, great conversation. Um, but yeah, no, I've been working on a web comic uh, for five, uh, 2016, I think is when I, when I launched it. So it's been a while, it's been a minute. And it's kind of one of those things where like, you know, you you work for a living doing art and uh, you know, you kind of lose that desire slash have time it's either one of the two or a combination of both to do your own project. It's kind of really hard. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, that while ago was just a perfect storm of like, you know what, I was ready to do something. I was like financially in a good spot with work and everything. And I said, you know what, I'm going to rip the bandaid off and start doing something. And it turned out to be this web comic. Um, not at all how I thought I would be, how I thought I'd start. I've like most artists, uh, comic artist stuff, I always wanted to do like a graphic novel, right? Like that would be my launching pad of my own thing. Like do a graphic novel of like, I have a fantasy comic that I do with Raid called Widow. So it was something along those lines where like, you, you know, wizards and, you know, fantasy stuff. But I never did enough work on that to get it going anywhere. And I kind of just suffered by a paralysis of overanalysis, uh, as mm. my friend Joe Vereen says, which is kind of like, you know, you think it has to be perfect before you put it out there, you know, and uh, actually it doesn't have to be, but that's where, you know, we all, we all have to get to as artists. But so I basically took the plunge years later on this one in 2016. And I just said, you know what? I've drawn a couple characters for a while. One was Thomas, which is the character in the comic, the main, one of the main characters. He's a little, little elf who can draw things and it comes to life kind of thing or comes into reality. Um, and Filbert, who's the blue fox that's in it. Uh, he's basically a sarcastic know-it-all kind of pain in the ass or two juxtaposition characters. So I thought it could kind of work with some kind of, you know, Saturday morning comic style, um, Calvin and Hobbes, Looney Tunes, Garfield kind of vibe. And I was like, you know what? I drew them in, in October over the past couple of years. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to, I'm going to try and do one page of this a week and see if I cannot just at least barf something out into the world and, and start at least compiling something of my own. Mm -hmm. so long story short that's how it was created and i've been doing it for like five or six years now and yeah uh, finally at the point now where uh well i've wanted to do a book for a long time a collection if you will for a long time and uh again kind of not knowing how to's of kickstarter and stuff kind of kept me in the, it on the back burner but joining up with raid studios uh a couple of years ago first thing Ramon and I talked about was actually he was saying that he wanted to start uh, publishing more uh, independent Toronto or Canadian content kind of stuff. And he thought my comic is great. And I was, first of all, I was like, wow, he's read it. That's awesome. You know? And uh, yeah, we just kind of went from there, slowly got it going. And over the past couple of months now, finally kicked the tires on it. And book one is going to be the first Kickstarter by raid. And uh I can't be more excited for it. It's actually launching May 17th, I believe, which is next Monday at noonish. Let me check my calendar here, or maybe we can. Yes. Yeah. So next Monday, May 17th, uh, is the uh, tentative date. I'm sure it's going to be final as of tonight, but, uh, yeah, we're launching the page. It looks fantastic. I'm so excited to share it with everybody. Um, all kinds of stuff. Basically, you're getting 100, the first 105 comics in the series and some bonus art in the back, like kind of design work and things like that. Uh, 
Kickstarter rewards or every, everything from like little mini prints, like mini cards, uh, postcards. Uh, there's a early bird special that has a limited edition coin that there's only 80 of like a, like a silver, cool silver dollar coin with the character on the front. Um, posters, and it just goes on from there. But that, I mean, I don't know how far, how deep you want to get into it. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really, really excited. Basically, if you like Calvin and Hobbes and those 80s kind of Saturday morning comics from the newspapers, this is basically the vibe of what I kind of have been doing. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've been reading over them on your Tumblr page. And uh, they, they have everything that you described. I think you, you gave it a perfect elevator pitch of that sort of Calvin and Hobbes, Looney Tune feel, and these characters, one who pretty much does all the talking, and the other one whose body language is doing all the talking, and it's a, it's a really, it's simple, it's a simple thing that you find yourself, like, I keep reading this thing, and uh, it's fun, it's a lot of fun, but I, what I appreciate about it is that you can, but it pays off to read it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like if that's, you, jump you know in, what that's awesome yeah if you yeah. jump in in the middle it's like okay i get what he's doing here but it, i feel like i'm in the middle of something i miss something you almost yeah, feel that's like, awesome so when i went back to all the way to 2016 to see where mm-hmm. what what it all starts with i'm like oh this is continuing so this is you gotta go through this now i appreciate the weekly aspect of you continuing the story because it th- that those four panels it's like it's cute, but is that funny? And then the next four panels, like, oh, okay, this is good. Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate it. You know, it's funny. It's like, because when people ask me, it's interesting. I, you're the first person to, to talk about it like that. And it's a really cool eye-opening kind of like outsider point of view on it. And it explains it perfectly because I have gone into this very much a create-as-you-go process. That's how I tend to create, you know, it's kind of, if I put too much stress on making it perfect, I will never do it. So I basically say, no, jump off and do it and just kind of build on that. You know what I mean? So this week he's going swimming next week. He's whatever, blah, 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 blah. So, and in doing so you can technically a lot of it, when people ask me, what is it like? Do I need, is it like a long going story? Like, is it a full, like a full series of stories? I'm like, not really, because there's a lot of one-off going on in there. There's a lot of like, you know, this week he's telling jokes and it's just a random kind of like stand up comedy bit with dad jokes. And then the next one is them talking about getting honey, you know, for lattes. And then the next, you know, but, but there are, like you said, especially in the beginning, there was kind of an evolving narrative of like how Philbert gets his glove and, them like explaining how Thomas does his drawings and how they come out of the paper and all that kind of stuff. And then oh, introducing, you know, Barry, the barista, the the bear that runs the coffee shop and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you can kind of jump into it, but there are, there are definite times where it'll swing into kind of like a story that's based on what was before it. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It's probably best. I should say, tell people to read the first maybe 10 or so. And they take like what? 15 seconds to read each one. I mean, it's like a one page, you know, thing. So yeah, I should probably start doing that. I should probably start telling people to go back and read the first 10 or 15 before they kind of spot pick and go wherever they want. Yeah. However, I will say this book that's coming to the Kickstarter and it holds the longest running story arc that I've ever done in, in the series. So I was at about, I think 75, number 75 ish. And I was talking to a buddy playing baseball and he's like, have you ever thought about doing like an actual story with like a like continuous, like as if it was a comic book kind of thing, like a story story? 
And I was like, bah, not really. But then it turned out that I was like, you know what? I'm going to try that. I'm going to give it a go. Let's see if I can make this up on the fly as I go and just let it go on for weeks on end. And that's in this first, it, it ended at 105. And that's why I decided to cap the, the book there because it was a good ending because there's basically an, a section where the forest creatures, I don't want to spoil it too much, but uh, Filbert and Thomas go on a quest almost, an adventure to try and find one of Thomas's missing friends. And it, they end up going to a monster land, like a the shady veil. It's called like a, a hidden part of the forest that, you know, opens up and all of a sudden it's like gloomy and weird monsters in there and friends that they make and stuff like that. So that was a very long story. The longest one I've ever done in the series. And that is actually in this book. Um, you don't see anything like that again for the next 200. It was up until the present. It's more kind of one-off three-parter type deals. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of fun for the reader getting that, that whole story. Yeah, yeah, very cool. I'm I'm excited to uh, to see it when it's all said and done. What is going to be like the the trim cut or the sort of way that the book is going to be presented? Will it be you know kind of in that digest format, or will it be in more of a traditional comic book type of? You're format? damn good at posing <laughs> questions here. This is a uh, this is great. So basically, yeah, it's it's like I don't know if any of the listeners, anybody in my age bracket, <laughs> will know. <laughs> excuse me when I say this, but it's kind of like your Calvin and Hobbes collection. It's like um, your Garfield collection. So it's basically mm -hmm. like an eight and a half paper. I think it's like, excuse me, the dimensions are seven and a half by 11 or something like that. And it's horizontal. So it's basically like a Garfield from back in the day, that soft cover flip kind of thing where like, you know, um, uh, each page is one of these comics and it's back to front. So yeah. So that's the kind of vibe we're going with. Um, the cover, I mean, I'm just so happy. You know, when you're an artist and you, you kind of, you don't see your own thing until it's kind of done. Cause Ramon has been doing a lot of the design work for me mm -hmm. in the sense of putting the cover, the PDFs together and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just sending him art. So I, I, I have to draw the cover and I drew a standalone cover, like a pit painting or drawing, sent it off to him. And then I thought, Oh, here's something cool for the back cover. And so I sent that off to him and then to watch him kind of wrap it all around and put the spine on it with the name. And it's just so cool. It's, it's, it's like my baby's coming to life and I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it, the more you describe it, the more exciting it is because when I was reading uh, the work, I thought it reminded me of the, the Garfield Digest that they used to have in my school when I was a kid. I don't know how old you are. I'm 37 years old. Um, yeah, I'm 44. So, so we, we remember those, those similar. Yeah, we're in, that, we're in that bracket. Yeah, that's yeah. The, the comic bracket. Yep. And I, I used to love that book. It was it used to make me laugh out loud. Sometimes there's a little bit more than just a one page, you know, six panel story. Sometimes it continued on to the other. And mm -hmm. it just it was I had already read comic books, so it wasn't like I didn't know how they functioned, but it was another way of appreciating what the medium can do besides superheroes. And mm -hmm. I I also appreciated, you know, the funny pages in the newspaper after a little more because you saw and I still appreciate it how much story is told in such small windows in a small period of time that I don't know if that is easy or a lot harder for mm -hmm. an artist to put together. Because it's like you got less to draw, yep. but you've got more to say in less time. Yeah, it's true. I will say um, for me, creatively, when it comes to doing this, I'd never done anything like it before. Like, it's not like I tell, like do comics on my own before. Like I've drawn sequential stuff very minimally um, before this. 
I was done mostly. I used to basically the bulk of my work in in com, uh, in art has been animation, traditional animation, and uh, concept art. So nothing like actually telling stories and whatnot. Mm. So when it came to doing this, um, a lot of it was based on Calvin and Hobbes. Like I was researching like how like the flow and all that kind of stuff. But when people ask me how how I do it or whatnot, it's it's kind of come down to a formula for me over the past couple of years where it's you know, most of my stories end up in a five to six panel uh, thing. So you basically have your introduction. Hey, Thomas, come help me do something. Uh, at explaining what the thing that they're doing is, whatever it is, uh, some kind of like uh, back and forth of what, you know, uh, counterbalance of that, of his point, or maybe there's the joke lies in there. It's like setting up the joke and whatnot. And then the, the final panel is, is usually the payoff or the joke or the, oh yeah, I didn't see that coming. Or uh, yeah, you always say that, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. So it, it, now when I sit down to write these things, sometimes I just kind of sit down and like literally have little bullet points of like an idea and I kind of know where it's going. Like I'll just say the middle part is the middle part. And then I, as long as I know what the end of that little kind of payoff is it, it is a very small, small story. Like you're telling like a dot, 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 you know, beginning, middle, end. So it's, there's definitely a challenge to it, but I don't know if it's say any harder than doing a, I feel like maybe for me anyway, it's easier because it's bite-sized and I can just kind of, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to get the point across. The joke has to be told or the, the pacing of the, the rhyme or joke or whatever has to be told. So if I was writing a comic book where it's like, it has to have actual like substance to it, you know what I mean? Like background on like, that's why my widow comic with raid, like I'm doing, I've done it. I'll be doing it in the next, uh, uh, anthology as well, but I just did the first six pages of it in the first, they're the third anthology that they did. They just released last year. And Already, it's like, I've got to have backstory, like my old Tolkien thing where I'm like, okay, well, I've got like, this is the name of the, the city they live in. And like, this is, it's all magic users and the history of that. And then where are they going in the future? And what's the final villain and all this kind of stuff. So even on a very basic level, like there's a lot more meat that has to be packed into that. Whereas with this, it's just like, you know, fun, quick little, yeah, fun, quick little slapstick stuff, you know, and it's just, for me, that's easier. Hmm. And you yeah. said that you grew up with a with a real passion for the Looney Tunes and for things like Calvin and Hobbes. So it's almost like second nature in a way for you to, you know, have maybe ideas pop into your head of how you visualize it to be. I don't know if that if that would help. No. At all. Yeah, that makes it makes. I mean, I never sit down thinking like what is inspiring me at this time. But when I think back on and especially with people now asking because of this project, like asking like for interviews and stuff, asking about inspiration and whatnot, it is making sense. Like. I see Wiley Coyote and sometimes like how I'm drawing Filbert, like with his legs and stuff like that, but that's just this design stuff. That's like growing up and like, as I'm drawing lines going, Ooh, this is appealing to me. You know, how they stand is, is like how Wiley Coyote stands when he's, you know, he's holding the sign. So little things like that will come from your past experiences and your nostalgia into your work. But well, where was I going with this? Inspiration. Mm-hmm. That's where I was going. I kind of yeah. lost my train of thought. So yeah, like things like, um, uh, Saturday morning comics. I mean, I didn't, I mean, I used to pin them up on my wall. I just not like I, you know, like studied them or anything like that, but it's amazing how when you're sitting down now kind of drawing these things and just trying to fumble through actually creating content, you know, like, Oh, I, I promised myself I'm, I really try to stick to it once a week, like 
I've been, I've missed a couple days over the past five years, but for the most part, I've done them all. And it's like trying to stick to that. You're just kind of in the grind sometimes doing it. And then when you realize at the end of the, you know, you look back at a bunch of them and you see the influences in there, like mm-hmm. definitely, I, I didn't set out going, I want to do a Looney Tunes comic strip mixed with Calvin and Hobbes, but like, it definitely has kind of, you know, come out that way out the other end, you know? And, uh, it's, it's cool, I guess. I mean, like I, but I I'm think, really close to it. It's my baby, but I mean, I think other people think it's cool. I don't know. I think, I think it's, uh, when people, it's only natural. Like they say, when you begin to, to create yourself, you, the first thing you do is, is imitate. And then you, you tend to like interpolate or interpret mm-hmm. something instead of imitating yep. it. And you're still kind of copying them. But then you interpret a bunch of different things and you add it. So it's like, I'm going to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then it, no one can tell what it is until you, point, you strip it. And I think every mm-hmm. idea is like that. I don't know if there's any original, you know, really an original superhero story anymore that doesn't mm-hmm. have bits of... It's like Invincible. Nuggets. You know, Invincible yeah. reminds me of Spider-Man. It reminds me of Superman. And it also reminds me of the Justice League. And there's like, oh, there's yeah. a Nick Fury character. But it's none of yeah. those things after because it's just yeah. boop, all its own thing. That's Invincible. 100%. That's actually a really good way. Of, and it actually perfectly goes into more of an art uh, explanation of that I'm, I'm always asked. Things like young artists will always ask you, how do you, like, I love your style. How do you make a style? I'm trying to make my style. Right? And... Uh, my buddy and I for were asked this question a lot. We used to do a live stream, live drink and draw, like every Friday years and years ago. And so the ki- these kids that were watching the show would like ask us, you know, how do we create a style? Like you guys, ugh. and both him and I would look at each other and go, we finally found a really good way of explaining it. I'm going to try and do that now. But basically style, in our opinion, in my opinion, is the absence of your ability to mimic the people that you admire or like, right? So say, for example, I loved growing up in comics, Joe Madureira was the shit for me. Like, I loved it, right? It was a perfect fusion of, and like, I grew up on things like Astro Boy and uh, 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 Guardian of the Planets or whatever. What was the name of it? Uh, you know, the kids that throw the, the, the yo-yo, exploding yo-yo, and they had the the falcon helmets on and the capes and stuff like that. It was an anime from back in the day. Oh, I don't remember. I, there's, I there's Battle of the Planets is the name, like the actual name, but then there was a name that we watched on the cartoon. Okay. So anyways, um, anime stuff from as I was a kid, I was huge influence. So when I saw Joe Mad doing like comic characters that look like anime hybrids, right? Like it was like a US hybrid. I was like blown away. And uh, obviously before that, McFarlane was huge for me. You know what I mean? Jim Lee was huge for me. Um, so that's just the comic book world. And then I was also super into Disney and stuff like that. So uh, Glenn Keane from like lead animator, Beauty and the Beast, um, Aladdin, all those, mm. the, all my favorite characters were his, you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, there's something about the way this guy draws. And I, of course, I watched all his videos and all this kind of thing. So as I'm coming up, you're watching all these different things and absorbing as artists do and people do in, in everyday life, not just art. But when you sit down and go, okay, I, I want, I love how Joe Mad draws hands or faces or whatever, right? So you sit down there and you got your paper and you're drawing away. And that frustration of not being able to draw it like that. And for me, I'm, I'm not as, I, I tend to get frustrated and kind of turn away. Like if I, if I can't do something, I kind of throw my hands up in the air and say, I'm done with it. There's people that I'm sure that sit down and make sure they can draw the perfect Joe Madera hand. But I would kind of just go, 
ah, I can't do it. And I'd walk away, you know? And then I'd sit down and go, well, I'm going to draw a hand. And I would try and draw, like maybe how the knuckles look, mm. you know what I mean? So, oh, the things that stick in your brain, that's how I draw it. And before you know it, I've got a hand that's sort of like Joe Mad, but not quite like Joe Mad. But there's definite influence in there. So as you pack all of those things throughout your art career on, you know, you like the noses from Looney Tunes and you like the eyes from this and da 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 Before you know it, you're just sitting down drawing stuff over and over and over again and doing different projects. and stuff. All of a sudden, you start to see them all kind of come together mm. as a quote-unquote style. It's your style. Like, people look at my art and go, that's Dax's style. I see it as a mismatch of, like, that's just how I do it because that's the only way I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a cool thing. It's, it's, people are so worried about how do I create the style? It's like, no, 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 just draw stuff. The style will be the collection that everybody looks at. It's, I'll tell you what, you have a style when another kid comes to you and says, I love your style. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. just how it works. Yes. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a really cool thing. Like, you think you're looking for it, but it actually just comes from doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's weird. You can't control it. Yeah. And if you no. try to control it, that's when you get into that area of, like you're saying, where you become just a copycat of somebody. Yeah. Right. And um, you can see some some artists are probably told we need you to draw this in the style of maybe this. Oh, for that. sure. You know, and, sure. and some people, I think even in D.C., there's not to not to take anything away from their art, but there's some artists who um, you can tell like that's that's a like Ed Bennis is a version of Jim Lee. Hundred percent. Now, now, and work and your own personal thing are two different things. Because in the yes. art world, you're, you're nine times out of ten, you're going to have to, unless you're like a, um, you know, uh, uh, Todd McFarlane or or a um, Mignola or somebody who sets a, a style. Unless you're that person, right? You are going to usually have to kind of fall into a category for per, uh, commercial work, and that's just how it is. Like I'm doing one right now where I'm kind of having to fill a, a lane. Um, it's just close enough to my style that it's not like a nightmare for me, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, yeah if the style thing is usually like when you're doing your own stuff, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're on your Instagram and you're doing fan art and you're doing this and that, and you're creating your characters or whatever it is that you do. That's when I feel like there's a definite, uh, a style, like that's how you draw things. Uh, I totally understand what you're saying for sure. And that's not taking away from other people's no. because like work mode in, in commercial art, especially you do sometimes have to be a, uh, a mini clone, you know, to get the job done. So yeah, you have to be able to do both <laughs> as an artist. And that's usually where we kind of, yeah. And, and even still kind of like um, Jason Fabok, for instance, is a student of David Finch. You can see it, but mm-hmm. I can tell their work apart because now I know Jason's style and I know David's style I can see where the mentor apprentice thing is yep but I can tell them apart and I have a preference and it yep, may not be in the in the thing that people would ex- you know what I like when this yep. person draws that I like that person doing that but I prefer this you know so it's it's uh you're right you can see where influences come from and and where they separate I, I growing up I was a big hip-hop fan and, you know, became a real student of how certain, what made certain artists stand out or can be considered better than another mm-hmm. guy. And then when you start to try to create yourself, which me and my friends did, you take a little bit of, I like that thing that they do. That's cool. And of course. Like that yeah. thing that like they the cadence do. of this. And like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And why, why oh, does totally. that guy sound like he's a better rapper or MC than this guy? And, you know, so 
you you see what they are and, and what you end up coming up with, you know that you stole it from there or you're copying <laughs> that. But other people yeah, yeah, don't yeah. because it sounds like you. You end up sounding like someone completely different. So Well, that's the thing, right? That's the beautiful thing about it is that like, I mean, without being cliche, like you you are your own snowflake, right? Like, so even if you try, like, especially in singing and stuff, like, like there's your vocal cords, like your sound, your speaking voice is uniquely you. Mm-hmm. And that comes out even when you're singing or, or I'm assuming even more so with the uh, hip hop and, and rapping and stuff like that, that the tone of your voice or how you breathe and, and all this kind of stuff it will s- make you sound different. Even if you're spitting the same bars or whatever as somebody else, unless you are literally trying to copy them mm-hmm. to a T. Right. But if you're up on stage and you're like, Oh, I'm nervous now and I got to do this and that it's going to start sounding more like you because your natural self comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that's the beautiful thing about this is that, yeah, you can't help it. Right. And anyway, sidetracking. And now that you mention it, you do have a kind of voice of a, you sound like a hip hop guy. Like oh, you probably. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, you, you got the, I, I, I can hear it. I could hear it. You've oh. got a kind of a, a beastie boys kind of sound going on in your voice. You know what I mean? You've got that kind of. That's funny. Uh, yeah. I, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment whenever you're, uh, Whenever you're trying to, I guess, do something, you're always worried. I wonder if it even comes off. Because whenever I tell people that I've made or make, they always look at me like, "Yeah, you? No, you don't." But that's that's probably a, a skin color thing too, right? Like, uh, like Could people be. just assume people just assume that you have to you have to be Eminem if you're a white guy doing hip hop. And I mean, there's a whole a whole other thing about besides that about that. But I mean, I think people's first reaction is always going to be that, you know yeah. what I mean? It's probably less now than it was back in the nineties and eighties, but, um, <laughs> but because the world's kind of branching out a little bit, which is a nice, beautiful thing. But I definitely, I, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, if, if I said I was, I get it. Like people are going to look at you and go, yeah, you better you better be really good because you know <laughs> of how you look, right? Yeah, I mean, it just is what it is. People people definitely believe that I'm a comic book geek. That's never disputed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, black rim glasses, uh, some facial hair, and a ball cap. Yeah, and you're uh, yeah, you're 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 a comic geek. I I, I live in that vein too. Well, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Gotcha. So those are the things because even in my in my line of work I work in construction which is not my natural like I was never a kid who wanted to build or go to work yeah, with yeah. their dad I wanted to read books and write and one day maybe nice. be a journalist I wanted to be Clark Kent that was my dream nice. and so when people when I when people see me at at the job site they often say you don't you don't look like you belong here <laughs> I said yeah I wanted to be a journalist like that's it that's what you should have been <laughs> So sorry, are you? Do you do that on your off time? Are you following your dreams or what's going podcasting. on? Podcasting. That's the dream. Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Fair that, enough, that's man. how I do it because uh, the thing was either journalism or radio broadcasting were the things I yeah. wanted to do, um, and then it was I'm not a com- enough of a competitive or committed enough person to like I have to do this every day and whoever's in my way I gotta do it I I just don't yeah I, I don't operate I'm the same well. way I'm the same way yeah so. If I can go undetected in my job and and you know pretend to be a plumber for the rest of my life, that's great. Um, if if I in my fifties end up you know touring with Fan Expo to host panels, that's that'd be the dream. I'm like, yes, that's I made awesome. it. Good for you. Good for you. I see it in your future. I mean, that's the thing, right? As long as you have a uh, an outlet, right? Like we were talking earlier, yeah. it's in a different way. But I mean, yeah, like it's amazing what you can do as long as you've got that creative or the outlet that makes you happy. You yeah, know? you have to so, follow the passion. If it's not making yeah. you happy anymore, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, 
I'm, For sure. I'm a believer of that. But For sure. you, you mentioned a bunch of comic book uh, artists that were inspirational to you. Were you a, mm-hmm. a big comic book fan growing up or you were more into the art of it? Like, where does your connection to comic books start? Yeah, good question. Okay, so this goes deep. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm rambling too much, no, but go I, tend, deep. I tend to talk a lot. I tend to talk a lot. And uh, anyway, just shut me down if we're going too deep. Uh, basically, I was really lucky and kind of set down this path in a weird kind of cosmic sense. And the fact that my dad was a uh, comic distributor for huh. Southern Ontario. There was only two of, I mean, he was like one of the two, I think. I can't remember what the other one was called, but there was, I mean, even as a kid, I knew there was a few between the two of them, right? But basically all the stores in Toronto, like Silver Snail, stuff like that, bought from my dad, like all that stuff. Like he was, he was a, a warehouse in Burlington that I went to every weekend, you know, and hung out and ran around with the lights off and stuff like that. And there was like millions of books and you, and all the, that's where I found Dungeons and Dragons because there was the gaming section and the pewter sculptures and the, and I upstairs, downstairs books everywhere. Like it was the coolest thing. Like you, you, as a kid, I didn't even understand it really, but it was just the coolest thing. So that's a I dream. grew up around, I know I for you. And then I, that's a I know I, I hear you. And, and I feel bad because a lot of times people like real, real fans like want to punch me in the mouth. Cause like, I <laughs> did, I mean, I, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of nostalgia there, yeah, but yeah. it's like, but it, was it was for other things. It was regular. It was for other things. And I didn't, I would say I liked comics a lot as a kid, especially the art. And I'll get more into, into that. But I mean, the fact that like real comic fans would go, I would kill for that youth. Right. But like you said, I didn't know much better, but anyway, so as, as I kind of grew up and stuff like that, like I worked there in the summers bagging books and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I have always been into like my first memories really are of drawing and stuff are my dad, he'd come home every like Friday when he'd come home from work or something like that. My mom would be cooking and he'd bring home like a little, I forget what they were called, but it basically would probably hold, it was like a mini little box that was the size of a comic and it would hold probably 20 books in it. So it was just a small, you know, whatever. And he'd bring one of those home, fold it up, you know, and we would have like a comic from my brother, a comic from me. I don't know, some stuff he wanted to keep in case it was worth money someday. I don't know what it was, but point is like, he'd show up and I remember him giving me a copy of Uncanny X-Men or if I asked for Spider-Man, he'd give me a Spider-Man or whatever. And I would sit and like literally, cause my dad was an artist too, believe it. Like okay. he, well, and, and sorry, he, as a kid, he loved to draw. And like, I remember jumping all over the place here but as a kid i have distinct memories of like reaching up on a stool into his top uh, drawer above the kitchen or above the fridge and it had a little manila uh, folder that had all his drawings from when he was a kid so it was probably like 50 or so there's a big handful of drawings of like watercolors and like life drawings of horses and he was good at copying like freehand copying so like if you have a picture of somebody's face he could like draw it and so he would do stuff like that, like from magazines and stuff as a kid. And there was a big sheet that was folded open of all these knights and horses and stuff like that. And I mean, as a kid, it just blew my mind. I was just, I would like in the middle of the night, I would go just look at it. You know what I mean? So between that and him giving me comics, I would just try and do what my dad did, which was copy the panels. Like I would try and draw Leonardo with, from the graphic novel, you know, with the swords and whatever. I'd be like, okay, it's, you know, try, try, try. And he'd come to sit down and show me how pop show me how to do it i don't know how to do it i'm getting mad and he'd sit down and he'd do it and i'm like oh that's so much better than me we've all been there yeah and then so basically years and years pass and my love of comics especially during like probably resurfaced around the uh mcfarlane time you know like the the spider-man era the x-force era with liefeld i was i was all about that too then into the image times and then 
around there is where I started going to college and it kind of petered out for me art wise. Like as far as influences go, and I got more into Disney mm. uh, animation because I went into animation and stuff like that. So I really want to be an animator. But um, for me, it was never the story. Mm. If I didn't like the art, I wouldn't read the book. If now I loved, if I liked the art, I was like meticulously reading all the panels, you know what I mean? Like yeah, loving yeah. the story as it was, but I, I didn't go and buy comics or get comics from my dad, which would have been free. I could have had every comic in the world, but I just, I wasn't much into the story. It was more about if I liked the artist, I would get that book and study it. You know what I mean? So I don't know if I answered your question or, yeah, yeah, or no. if I left something out or. You, you, you answered every question that I had to follow that because I, I had heard a rumor that your father was a comic distributor and I needed to ask mm-hmm. you about that because I think that's, what would that be like? Would it be annoying? Like that's going to work and he wants me to take, for like for me, I, I not only loved comics, I love books. I could yeah. be um, in BMV in Toronto all the time. And I don't know if you've been to New York City, but there's a bookstore there called Strand Bookstore. And it's just... I haven't been to that, no. To me, like, bookstores are places of magic. I couldn't agree more. But for me, it was like, I would always go to the art book section and look about, especially in, like, the world's... Are you talking about the... I mean, I hadn't been in a long time, but when I was a kid and I'd get that trip down to Toronto with my friend, we'd take the train and go. And it was, like, the world's biggest bookstore or something. It had, had, like, three levels and shit. And, like, I'd go to the art section and it was, like, massive. It and you're right. Best. It's 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 like a toy land for sure. Yeah, <coughs> I, for I, sure. I would skip school because there's a BMV uh, the, that is like the used movie books magazine store. Um, okay. They have three locations in Toronto. It's one of the best places to go to find like cheap novels, graphic novels, comic books. It's really great. That's and awesome. then beside that was the world's biggest bookstore, like right next door to each other. Yeah. And then across the street was a three or four level HMV that had the basement that was all the hip hop that you wanted to find. Oh, shit. you were set then. Yeah, I would skip school and I would stay right there. (laughs) Spend the whole day on that strip. That's awesome. And and you go into that bookstore between the the huge graphic novel section that they had for a bookstore and then like the the music biography set. Like they just had everything. And then magazines. It was great. So if your dad worked in a place like that, I would never want to come home. I'll go to work with you, dad. I'll go to work with you. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll, I have some great memories. Like the, the best feeling was like on the Saturday morning, I just have memories of like him beep, 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 opening the, and that smell of just cardboard and like musty <laughs> warehouse, right? Comic where, you know, comic book smell. Oh. And, he'd, and he'd open the door and it was pitch black and you hear the, where the lights are going click. and it just kind of like illuminates rooms and thousands of books and like all these little alleyways that we'd run around as kids and like forklifts and like uh, skids of books and and I at one point I got really into like role-playing games as a kid but I didn't have anyone to play with so I would just get them read them look at the art and learn how to play them and like make characters and then never actually play them with anyone but I would like you know, I'd say, can I get, I remember he gave me the uh, basic D&D set, you know, that red box with that wicked art on the cover and okay. stuff like that. And I'll never forget opening that up for the first time and seeing all the books and like Marvel superheroes role-playing game and all that stuff, man. I, I, I literally spent hours just with different passions. Like one night it was, uh, one morning it was RPGs. Uh, and then one one day it was comics and going through all the Wolverine. I got into Wolverine phase and I, you know, I was lucky. I, I was really lucky for sure. 
for sure. It was it was a really cool. Really but you cool recognize thing. it. That's the thing. Even though you didn't like, some of us would be like, "Oh, I would have killed for that." You still enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I didn't like going to work with my dad. Just the fact that yeah. you that it brings you a happy memory. It it you know you realize how cool it was. It's funny because now now so it's more of a happy as, as a nostalgia. It's more of a an happy memory. At the time, it was just like you said. It was kind of like. Not that I didn't like doing it, because obviously I do have the, like, like I loved being taken in and, like, the, you know, when I was excited to see a comic or I was excited to see a Dungeons Dragons uh, manual. Um, but, uh, yeah, now looking back on it is when you can really get those nostalgic vibes of how, how much it must have shaped my passion for art and all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, between that and my dad's actual drawings. It just, it's like it was kind of just destined for me to want to do that. Yeah, and, you- uh, you grew up at an age, like the we're we're in the same age bracket, but you're just old enough that you saw everything cool happen. <laughs> and I know that sounds like one of those like oh here we go back in your day, but people we can relate to the how cool cartoons were, how cool yeah, yeah. oh Saturday morning cartoons yeah how- Dungeons and Dragons on Saturday morning was my jam. You remember that one? Did you ever see that one? Or was that probably gone by your time? That was was gone by my time. Dungeons and Dragons was so good. It was like literally like, I mean, fantasy is always, I didn't even know what fantasy was, but I loved it. But basically it was about a bunch of kids that go on a roller coaster and then get sucked into a Dungeons and Dragons world. And like this one kid was a barbarian. He had this like hammer that would grow and he could like hit things. And there was like a magician and stuff like that. A guy who had a, a fire bow, electricity bow or something that would shoot bolts of lightning and stuff. It was like, as a kid, I was between Smurfs and that. And like at 8 a.m. was Smurfs and at 8.30 was, I don't know, Inspector Gadget. And then there was like, you know, uh, what well, uh, He-Man probably was on around then. And yeah, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. And yeah, you're right. Oh, Spider-Man. You remember the 60s Spider-Man yeah. stuff that was on reruns at that point? And oh see, my God. I'm just old enough, having been born in that decade, to know like, that was cool shit back then. Like wrestling <laughs> was, was great. Cartoons were great. There was exciting movies coming out. Uh, the music was cool. Like I remember tapes and records players. I was just, I was young, but I remember it to see it mm-hmm. go away. Yeah. And the stuff that was just before me, whether it was in the comics, whether it was in the, you know, Star Wars had come out. It was a... You watch Stranger Things. Everybody likes Stranger Things now. Like you yeah. lived, you were that kid. That's true, and that's why I mean I, a lot of that nostalgia hits. It's fun for me, and uh, of that show is probably the reason why, like everyone else, I got super hooked on that show. Plus, it's a great show. Yeah. Um, this first season, especially, was like <laughs> blew my mind. I was like, oh my god. Um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, I I totally get what you're saying. I would never say because I mean, like in ten years, fifteen years time the millennials will be saying that their time that they felt that their time was great because it's, I think it encapsulates you and all your memories and all your nostalgia and all that stuff. You know, it feels real to you. You know, kind of when you have a dream and it feels like everything is like, it was the most intense thing I've ever experienced. But when you tell somebody else about it, they're like, that's, I don't even understand what you're saying right now. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? I feel like that's everyone's personal experience with life. And don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's people that was like argue and like have like debates over, you know, the sixties were the great era or the seventies or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I totally get what you're saying as far as our generation and maybe like 10 years in front and behind. If you are into that sort of thing, it, it was a kind of golden era for that because it went in a different direction with technology and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I totally get it. We're totally in a it. sweet spot. And again, this is that, Oh yeah, here we go. Your decades always <laughs> the best. It's, um, 
the difference is is that we come from a time that understand and appreciate the nostalgia of the 60s and the 70s. We right. we'll go back and we we'll recognize yes the Beatles are the Rolling Stones are those bands. We will recognize we we tip our hat to that. We don't say who are, who is that? What is that? Whereas today you you play some classic music and people are like ah, I don't know. You don't know you don't know Michael Jackson Thriller. I'm not saying you gotta like it. You don't you don't know this? Yeah. Like who I had one guy say, I don't even know what Mariah Carey looks like. I said, What? You don't know what she looks like in this era of, of tech? But we, we grew up at a time where what was appreciated by our parents' generation, for instance, it overlapped. But they right. we had video games that they could never relate to. So for them, video games are strictly for kids. We're now right, of, right, of right, a generation right. where we'll be fifty lining up to get PS6 or 7. No, yeah, it's true. Whereas... That's, that's very true. It does... There's yeah, an overlap. There, there's that overlap right there, yeah. So maybe... And that this is what I love, these kind of debates. We could do this all, all F and day. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, that's what's cool about that is that that's our overlap. The technology gap is our overlap. And who's to, who's to say that there's not going to be an enhanced technology overlap for the millennials with their kids and they can they, they're not gonna i mean their kids aren't gonna understand a flip phone like the millennials like had one for 10 minutes and then got rid of it and got a, an iphone yeah uh, you know what i mean and so that's gonna be their beatles is not knowing what a, a flip phone is you know what i mean like it kind of just comes down the line um i mean that's just me kind of giving a counterpoint to you because i could i could uh debate this i love talking about stuff like this i think it's fantastic but i totally get what you're saying yeah, but um, again, it might fall into the camp. I'm I'm of the camp of saying everyone's going to have a my grandkid is better than yours, or my past is, you know, more legit than yours, or we cared more kind of thing. Yeah, um, I just think it's because we we lack the language of of what that new generation, what their version of that is, just looks a little different than what ours is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think we have a habit of uh, like nostalgia is like a comfy blanket, right? And there's even there, I think there's there's a camp of people who always think that the era they didn't live in is better than the one that they had, where people will say, yeah, I had this, but you know, I wish it was as good as having Zeppelin. Like we didn't have anything compared. We, yeah. we kind of do that too. I don't know if you've seen that movie Midnight in Paris, where um, I haven't. No, I have not seen that. It's it's a it's a story of Owen Wilson is vacationing with his fiance in Paris. It's a weird segue, but the reason why I bring it up is because he. At nighttime, he goes for a walk and he finds himself transported into Paris when Ernest Hemingway and all of those artists were frequenting Paris. So all the jazz, all of the art, the, the Picasso was there, the writers, and he's um, at, a, at a pub, at a party, social gathering with all of these people who aren't who they become yet. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, look how much better it was than... Mm-hmm. And he's not appreciating the time. And everybody of that time, so those Hemingways and those Picassos and all of those people are, are saying, I wish it was as good as this time. Right. So we kind of we kind of do that now. Do you have... It's, a- it's, it's so cool. It's, I, I love that, uh, that these kind of just debates and, you know, philosophical kind of things are <laughs> just... I could I could do it like over a pint for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I've it's it's happened. That's why Sam and, and Kevin Boyd, we get on this thing for two hours. We don't realize that it happened. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite uh, a comic book decade for you that as far as art or whatever was coming out that is your sweet spot? Yeah, I would definitely, 
I would definitely say it was the nineties because that was when I was in my teens, early teens, late teens, going into college. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was when I was really kind of soaking up art, like kind of going, Oh, influence, 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 influence. So it would definitely be like the ones I remember are McFarlane, um, uh, Liefeld, obviously around that time, of course, I, I, you know, yeah, whatever. Um, then there was uh, because what they were doing was so different. Hey man, Liefeld was life. People want to. It's fun to poke fun at him, but people like yeah, it for a reason. I, I, ref, I refuse like, to poke fun at it, no. but at the same time, I like I, when I look at, it, I go, ooh, like I, I see all the memes. I'm like, as an artist looking at it, technically, you're like, yeah, you're right. But I mean, McFarlane was kind of the same. He just wasn't yeah. as yeah, it wasn't as bad technically as, as say Liefeld. But I mean, he was right there. Him and McFarlane changed the game. Like they yeah, changed they how comics did worked and visually they became something different they were popping off panels they were breaking panels they were like they need all the props in the world for what the evolution of the comic just like i don't know like uh all the the old guys the 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 burns and all that kind of stuff changed comic back in the day you know it just it's all an evolution art right so uh between that and the whole image crew so all the jim lee all the i mean don't be wrong i love x-men his run on x-men jim lee where he started uh, that's my front level of this stuff. Um, uh, that whole crew. Um, and then Joe Mad was then outside that pocket. All of a sudden, a year or two later, boom, this Joe Mad kid, you know, 17 at the time too was cool. Cause it was like, he's only 17, 18 getting his break in comics and stuff. I lost my mind for that. Um, but yeah, I would say that was my, if as far as comic books go, that influence, it would be that, that era. Uh, Mark Silvestri was mm. my earlier because he was X Men when I was a kid. Kid, right, right, right. And I loved, I loved how he drew too. Like, I, like trying to draw. And I remember, like, you can tell if I'm remember. I'm terrible with names, but if I'm remembering those names, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were very influential to me growing up as far as art. You know what I mean? Um, and then, like I said, it went from around that time of the comics, Joe Mad stuff. I started really getting into Disney films and and the animators behind those. So things like Glenn Keane and and the Nine Old Men, and I'd watch all those videos of like the the the, the old uh, Disney guys animating stuff. And I kind of, I definitely went in that direction and graduated or went to Sheridan college in Oakville and did my four year, three year program there. Um, and, and, and actually got some work in the industry too. Some very limited feature work. Uh, so I got to live that dream, mm-hmm. which was super, another, another part of my life that was just amazing. I learned so much there. Um, and then kind of got into animation and, and gaming uh, in St. Catharines at, at uh, Silicon Knights, I, I worked there for about four or five years uh, and cut my teeth in digital animation, which was really hard for me. I'm definitely an old man when it comes to that. Like I knew just enough to make my work to doable, but like if you ask me to do anything on a computer, like if I literally tried to pick it up now, I'd forget. I don't know how to do it. Um, and then I got back into illustration and that when I got laid off from there and it was around that time, I was actually really wanting a change. Like I was like, I need to get drawing again. I haven't drawn in like three or four years at the time. It was, a, it was a nice change because I was sick of it. Kind of, I'd hit a rut. I was like, nah. And, uh, but then I kind of started wanting to, and you know who I, to this day, the guy who got me back into drawing again was Sean Galloway, Sean Cheeks Galloway. Okay. And he, he, I don't know if you know his stuff, but he, he did comics. He, he was most known, I think, for his uh, redesign of like the Spider-Man cartoon. Um, okay. The name's so familiar. Yeah. If you saw his stuff, you'd, you'd recognize him right away. Like, but basically he was on DeviantArt, 
when I first got back into drawing, I was on DeviantArt and like looking at all that stuff and I made an account for, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, I remember he liked one of my drawings just randomly and I lost, I had never been more starstruck ever. Cause I thought this guy was the shit. Like he's the reason why I started drawing again when I was in my funk. Mm. And, uh, so technically I don't know if I would have picked up a pencil again if it wasn't for this guy. So I always give him credit for that. Like I always appreciate that. Um, but yeah, then I got back into doing comics and trying to, hit up some old contacts like at Udon. I have yeah. contacts at Udon and I had done some work with them. And so I kind of got back with them. I did a project called Bravo Man, which is a web comic that I worked on for three years, actually. It was Shifty Look, which was uh, Namco Bandai's. Uh, they were doing a web comic. They wanted to reach into the U.S. market with a web comic series of their old retro video games. So I ended up through Udon doing one of their comics, which turned out to be one of the, the more popular ones, which was a lot of fun for me because I got to travel more than I've ever traveled in my life. I got to go to Japan for a month, like, you know, the Thailand and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was so sweet. Um, and then, uh, right around the time Bravo Man ended is when I was doing work for concept art for Plants vs. Zombies. I, I'm giving you guys, I'm not even, see how I ramble? I just go on. No, keep going. Uh, <laughs> I got into doing <clears throat> concept art for Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare. And that was a great gig. Um, did that for about two years, three years. And then right around that time when that was starting up and right around the middle of that is when I hit this, I want to do my own IP, Forest Folk was born. So it was around that time that, you know, and now I'm, I've been doing Forest Folk for five years and uh, now I'm working on some other cool stuff that I can't talk about, but it's going to be so lit. No, oh, that's great. I'm always excited yeah. to hear uh, artists say that they're finishing up something that's about to launch, but they've got other things and, you know, coming up that they are excited about. That's great. Yeah. Well, I hope no, you- I would say this project I'm working on now is probably the, it's the most like name droppy that I've ever, like as far as my 20 plus year career in art, you know, I've basically done the whole, uh, you know, starving artist thing. We've all been there, you know, mm-hmm. like you do jobs that no one's heard of, you know, mm-hmm. but this one, this one will definitely be bragging rights. Uh, Plants vs. Zombies was pretty high for me because people actually knew what that game was and it like, you know, it was a pretty big thing. So that was kind of cool. But uh, as far as projects, this one coming up that uh, I'm still having to be quiet about is, is, is going to be a very cool thing. And uh, I'm excited. I'm is excited. It, yeah. Is it um, illustrating, uh, if I don't, you, I don't want you to give it away if you can't. But is no, it, it's, it's it's comic stuff. It's okay, doing like okay. digi- digital comics, I believe. Okay. Um, but I'm I'm doing I'm doing like sequential stuff. Yeah. Very um, cool. But yeah, it, it's it's cool. It's it's going to be very cool. So. I I told you that we would go for about an hour. I don't know if you you need a tight hour. If we can keep going for a little bit longer, it's up to you. Yeah, we can go for maybe another 15 minutes or so. I do have something I've got to uh, oh, okay. get going to. But but yeah, I mean, I'm having a great time too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but uh, yeah, I probably should wrap it up in, a, in about 15 minutes or so. Okay, okay cool. Um, I didn't realize how many animation credits you had and how, like when you say you have a 20 plus year career, like what, mm-hmm. what were some of the things uh, you growing up that the, your love of animation grew from. I know you said the Disney stuff and all yeah. of those things, those uh, Beauty and the Beast, a lot. I could see all of the art and I could realize, yeah, that's the same guy drawing it all. Was it mainly Disney for you? Well, um, not really, no, because, uh, I mean, like you said, I think our first experience with animation was uh, Saturday morning cartoons. 
Right. So back in the eighties, I was watching all that stuff and eating it up like candy, you know, eating up like my cereal that I'd be sitting in front of the TV with, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was that, uh, Looney Tunes was huge. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, that was part of Saturday morning cartoons too, around probably I'd say late eighties, I think is when I started watching that. Um, but I mean, it was part of your normal Saturday, whatever was on TV on a Saturday, I would be watching. And Looney Tunes, I remember being very, very big. And I think my dad bought like uh, one of those cassettes, That's All Folks or something like that. And it was like a compilation of, and I saw like Duck Amok and like all those great ones, like the, some of the classic, classic Looney Tunes ones from the perfect era of what I consider the, the number one Looney Tunes, the one with, um, uh, where Daffy Duck and, and Elmer the Fudd are hunting or whatever that, and he shoots his bill and it spins around. The one where Daffy Duck is Robin Hood. Mm. Um, all those ones. And a lot of that comedy and slapstick, I can see, I put it into my own stuff, right? Like when I'm doing jokes and like this, the deadpan humor probably came from uh, Looney Tunes. Daffy Duck was very deadpan. You know what mm. I mean? And yeah. uh so that was huge for me um, growing up. And then I would say I didn't really re- revisit animation. The Disney era for me was as I was when when the, the gold, I guess it wouldn't be the golden age, whatever that age in the 90s was like with the, when um, the renaissance of Disney. So Little Mermaid, uh, did it go Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin? I think so. Anyway, think so. all those, there's yeah. about five or so in a row when they broke all records and, and that was basically my... my yeah. Yeah, Lion King, that was my launching point. To, and it was right around the time where I was like, I, I love this. And I got an animation book and I was like learning how to draw like cartoon characters with the circle and like the eyes and the, where you put the nose on the face. Like I was really focused on trying to draw like that. And um, uh, so around that time was, was when the animation boom was happening. And I remember fast forward, say five years or so, and I'm, I'm sitting at around 18 years old, getting ready to graduate high school. I have no idea what I want to do other than drawing, but my dad is like your, your classic, you know, World War II uh, grew up during that era. So it's like become a, get a trade and then trace your dreams after that. Right. So you become a plumber, you become a thing. Da, 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 da. And if, and, but by all means do your dream, but have something to, as you would say, fall back on, fall back on. And, uh, and I, and I love him for it. But uh, basically I was drawing one, I was, I was 18 or so. And I was taking all these business court. I was basically trying to get, I had that meeting with your counselor at school in mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know, but it goes, okay, we should just get your general stuff. So you can, you can change your mind when you go to college or whatever. And I was like, okay. So I was getting all my generals, like 12, grade 12 of this, grade 12 of this. And so I was doing a, a one of my fun classes I took was like a drafting class, but it was a design class or something in the high school. And there was a project, a group project where it was like, you had to draw a poster and like, you know, explain your project and all this kind of stuff. So I took, I said, I'll draw the poster. And for some reason I was drawing these, these buildings that were like, that had animation faces on them. So like, you know, like it looked kind of like Roger Rabbit, like, you know, like where like the building would be alive and it would have a big nose and an eye on it and stuff. So I'm doing the poster like that for whatever reason. Long story short, my dad walks into the room and he's like, Oh, that's really good. And he, he always looked at my drawings and was like a nice dad and like, you know, whatever it looks really good. And I was like, oh, thank you. And he's like, and, he, and I don't know if he knew I kind of, I don't know why this is happening, but he literally said the right time, right place, right time. He looked at me and he said, is there any money in that? Hmm. And I said, well, actually I want to go into animation. And then and, and, and like the, the top artists are making six figures at, as an animator now, because Disney's so huge and stuff like that. And he went, oh, he goes, well, why don't you go do that then? Hmm. And I'll never forget it. Like, it makes me emotional thinking about it because that was my big, um, 
roadblock in my mentally for myself of like, at that moment I committed, I said, I want, I'm going to, I get to be an artist now. Do you know what I mean? And hopefully I can head fake him long enough until I get into the career and he, he can't stop me from doing it. He, of course he never stopped me. He supported me the whole way. I mean, he paid for, he was, my dad was fantastic, but um, it, it was, it was a very cool kind of cap to me going to the next level of my career, which was, I applied to Sheridan. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's basically how it all kind of went. Uh, it went. So that's great. I'm happy that I kept you a little bit longer because we, we got that story out of it, which is, a yeah, great, no. it's, it's a great way to, you know, I love hearing, um, uh, artists talk about how supportive their parents were and yeah. understanding what it is that they wanted to do because it makes a difference when, when you, I think it does. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd be, if like I would, if, if in a weird way, I know it sounds stupid and I'm probably sure I probably would have kept drawing, but I don't know if, if he hadn't given me that quote unquote blessing. Right. I, it was enough in my mental, in my mental state. Like it was enough holding me back from going, well, I can't do this. I need to get this other job first. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You never um, had to, like you said, you never had to, um, as you were doing it, feel like, oh, if I don't show something for it, they're going to, you know, they're gonna, I'm never going to hear the end of it. I'm going to get the, I told you so. You didn't have to worry about an, I told you so. Yeah. And then like, and it was just, it was just, I don't know, like, you know, the, I'm a firm believer in the, in the fact that like everything that happens in your life influences you in a certain, like it's, it's all part of yeah. the journey, right? Like it's all like somebody saying something back in 1987 could have changed yeah. the course you took, you know? So, um, that was definitely when I think back on that with fond memories, um, a moment where Obviously, my dad was always supportive of me, but I think he kind of, he knew what I wanted to do. And he had that moment of him going, he's not going to be a plumber. Yeah. Let him go do his thing. Yeah, that's great. And it was the the best feeling I could have. I mean, it's one of my favorite memories that, you know, I know influenced my career and my path. And uh, yeah, so here I am 20, what, three years later or something. I graduated in 2000, man. That's crazy. Yeah. 2000. I remember coming out in 2000 all bright eyed and bushy tailed and being like, <laughs> oh, we're the graduating class of 2000. Like the future's now. Hey, Doug, make sure you're, make sure you're, you've got some money taken under and put under the bed because yeah. the computers are going to break in 2000. You know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> and here we are 2021 and I've been drawing for, you know, I guess 21 years. There you go. So your dad, making your dad a living. bet right. He made the right yeah, bet on so, you. That's great. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's been, a, it's been a, it's been a, I'm by no means am I ready to retire, but uh, I mean, the fact that I've made a living, I actually, sometimes I sit and I look back and I go, yeah, you know, I'm still renting an apartment, you know, I have, da, 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 da. I don't have a lot, like, I don't have tons of money saved up, I've got some RSPs, I'm doing this, da, da. and I go, I wish I was better off, you know, I mean, I wish I was like, mm, how do I make that money? And then I think back and I go, when I think about like some of my colleagues, my friends, my, my even college, you know friends and stuff like that like not everyone made it you know what i mean and by making it i mean like working in the industry i've yeah. managed to somehow eke out a 21 career so far knock on wood yeah job in the industry doing what i love you know what i mean and and yeah. and i'm i think about that and I, I kind of take a moment to kind of breathe and thank thank uh well obviously me because i i mean there's a lot of dedication yeah, you have to absolutely. do but at the same time at the same time it's just kind of like if anyone was to ask me, how do you do it? I'd be like, don't expect too much, <laughs> you know, in the sense, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great to dream. And there's that road. I didn't take that road of like, I'm going to be the best there is and go. Cause 
I was always very hard on myself and kind of like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. But there was enough of a love in it for me That's that matters. I wanted to keep, I wanted to keep practicing. I wanted to keep trying. That's what and mattered. Here, here we are looking back 21 years later going, shit, yeah. I've been working in the art industry yeah. and eating, like living, I have a roof over my head. I've got, I mean, it's not like I'm without things, you know? And so I've technically made a career out of drawing for yeah. a living, which is, which is fun to think about. So you can always look back and say, Oh, if we would have done that, then we would have had this much money now, or we would have been this better off now. And a lot mm-hmm. of times you would say, yeah, that would have maybe, but what wouldn't I have had? I wouldn't have had this, like it, I wouldn't have maybe been happy because the reason I'm happy is because we did these things. So I think when you follow, I'm a firm believer that if you follow your passion, the path, everything will fall into where it needs to fall. I, I firmly Absolutely. believe that when, when you're chasing, like I, I hear a lot of people now at work, they're always talking about um, these, these new cryptocurrencies and what they're going to invest in and get rich quick on and da, da, da. it's like, guys, yeah. Invest in the things that will keep you happy if you're poor because no one can take that from you. Uh, I mean, it's, it's cliche and it sounds cliche or whatever, but you're, you're absolutely right because, I mean, yeah, money's great. And I, I, I do also lie on the, on the line of I, I, I also follow the path of, you know, it doesn't make you happy, but it sure makes life a lot easier. But absolutely. I think there's definitely a balance. There's a balance between the two. Yeah. Being completely rich and super famous and all that shit, I, I can see the pitfalls of that. Mm-hmm. I can see how it becomes a lonely place and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm very happy being in my in my lane. Yes. Um, I just wouldn't mind a little bit more cheddar, but I mean, who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't, right. Absolutely. <laughs> but I agree with you 100%. I mean, I can't imagine myself... You know, I always, th- whenever I'm having a rough day, like I can't draw today, I'm, I'm, I don't want to draw, blah, 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 blah. I think you could be working at a car plant yeah. right now. And nothing, nothing against people working at car plants, no, by all means. But I'm just saying for me, yeah. that, I, I mean, I get to do what I like to do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm... I worked in a car plant, so I know how crappy it could be. <laughs> well, I mean, for me, it would just be like, uh, just for my, for my, how my head works, I just, I don't think it would... No, I couldn't handle it. So, but I mean, I guess maybe that's why I'm an artist. And that's why I went down this road. Who knows? But, uh, it's I, uh, I'm very grateful and very, and very lucky to be able to kind of yeah. stay in this lane. So, yeah, that's great. So just before we wrap up, tell everybody one more time when the Kickstarter is going to launch, uh, the name of the book, everything they can look forward to kick it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so basically the Kickstarter is going live on, uh, May 17th, which is next Monday. I don't know when this is airing, but May 17th, uh, I believe we're shooting for a noon launch and it's going to be up for uh, Kickstarter goes for, I think a month. Um, so I'll be posting all the time on all my socials. You're going to get sick of me, but I mean, it's, it's what you got to do. Um, the book is called forest folk picnics and hijinks. So it's basically, it's, uh, it's going to be, I mean, as of right now, it doesn't have book one on it, but basically there's, I have like 200, I just finished 277 last week, uh, strips. So I think that eventually it's going to be like a three book. I mean, I don't have plans to stop it, but I mean, it's, it could fill three books. So I don't plan on just doing one. It's going to be like, you know, thing, but we need to start somewhere. So Excellent. book one, picnics and hijinks hitting, hitting uh, Kickstarter. And, uh, by all means, if you like, that kind of retro feel of the Saturday morning comic, the Calvin and Hobbes colored, you know, one pager. This, this book is full of them or in my, in my, in my weird wacky way. So, uh, uh, 
love your support. And if you want to read it, by all means, enjoy it. You can also read the comic now just to get a sampler. It's all free online anyway. Yeah. Uh, Forest Folk Comic, all one word, forestfolkcomic.com. And uh, as Eric was saying, that's where he read uh, some of it. So it's all up there now. And the first 105 are going to be in this Kickstarter. So that's what you're getting in that book. Um, and I'm sure I'll, you'll get a link that you can put on the, yep. I've got a link here I can send you or whatever, but people can then click on that and just go straight to the page when it launches. So exciting. I can't yeah, wait. I'm super pumped. It's uh, I had a really great time talking to you. I could, like you said, I could do this for, for a while. I hope you come Me back. Too, buddy. I really did. It was a great chat. Great chat. Well, yeah, we um, should definitely do it again. Maybe we'll find an excuse to come back and bug you again. No, uh, yeah, we, was we really can fun. do it when, when you have your announcement to make and when you just want to do whatever you want to talk about. We can talk about your top five favorite or least favorite movies from, yeah. you know, whatever it is. I love that kind love of stuff. Love it. Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show and thank you everybody for listening. Be sure to check out um, the Forest Folk Kickstarter for, from this Monday, May 17th and, and follow Dax on all the different social medias. He's got a great page. And again, thank everybody for listening and leave a review on whatever podcast channel you choose to listen to us. It does help with the algorithm, whatever it is they say. Do it. (laughs) Thank you. Do it. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you soon.